of those who are part of the worship. I just appreciate uh, each one that leads us in worship each week. Well, this morning, we're going to begin with a little test. Just two questions. This will be very easy. And <clears throat> you don't have to answer these questions if you don't want to. If you don't know the answers, don't worry about it. You'll just fail the test. But there's no... <clears throat> Okay, hey, you know what? I think most of you are going to fail today. I'm just going to tell you that up front. Two questions. Number one, how many times did Moses go up Mount Sinai? Well, some of you may be saying, what is Mount Sinai? <clears throat> okay. Because not everyone knows this story, but some of you know what I'm talking about. Moses went up Mount Sinai. And how many times did he go up the mountain? Secondly, I'm talking about in the account of Exodus now, okay? I'm talking about in the account of Exodus. By the way, this is Mount Sinai. If you want to know what it looks like. So how many times do you go up that mountain? Here's the, here's the second question. What was the main thing that happened? What was the main thing that happened on Mount Sinai? Okay, those are two questions, and I will answer them over the course of this message. Okay, we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through the story this morning. We're just going to talk about Moses going up on Mount Sinai and the people of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. And I was surprised what happened to me when I walked through this story. And I'm hoping that maybe uh, that will something will happen to you as you walk through the story this morning. So let's start. Two months after they leave Egypt. Two months after they leave Egypt, Israel arrives at the base of Mount Sinai. It's also called Mount Horeb and some the same thing. And they've come, they've seen all of Pharaoh's power. They've come through the Red Sea. They went through that whole event. Now it's been two months and they are at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses makes his first trip up. Okay, if, you have, if you're following along in the, I, in the outline, there's a little F there, some funny letters. Uh, this is his first trip up the mountain. And we're going to read some of this this morning. We don't, we don't have time to read through, through all of this. So if you have a Bible this morning, and there's also one in front of you there, you might want to pick it up. We're going to kind of, just to help us get a feel here for what this was like, we're going to I'll be reading some of this. And uh, in chapter 19, we see that, by the way, this is the book of Exodus. Just to help you remember a little bit, we went through Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. You know, the genesis of something is the beginning of it. Beginning of the world, beginning of man, beginning of sin, beginning of judgment, beginning of God's redemptive plan. Genesis is all about beginnings. All of the themes of the story are in Genesis. So that's what Genesis means, beginnings. Exodus means to exit. Exodus is all about the exit out of Egypt. And so here we are in this book. We're going to be walking through that book today. The whole book, okay? in 20 minutes. Lord, help us to do this. So we see here, Exodus chapter 19. 
And verses 3 to 6, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain. His first time up, okay? This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob. You are to tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is a powerful picture. You know, them, you know some of the movies where the, you know, the birds come in and they rescue the people? It happens a lot. If you watch you know, some of these uh, Lord of the Rings and different things, this is the picture that you've been rescued on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. That's what God tells Moses the first time he goes up on Mount Sinai. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. For the whole earth is mine, and you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So this is part of it. He also evidently gave Moses instructions here for the people. How do we know that? Well, we know that Moses went down to the people, and it says in verse 7, So Moses went back and summoned the elders and set before them all the words had the Lord had commanded him to speak. And listen to what the people said. Listen to what people said. 19, verse 8. You'll see it up on the wall. Then all the people responded. We will do everything the Lord has said. We'll do everything the Lord has said. So Moses goes up. God, God tells him these things, these instructions. He doesn't tell specifically yet what it was. But he comes down. The people said, we'll do it all. We'll do everything that God has said. We want this. We, we want to be this treasured possession. So, the second letter there, Moses goes back up to God and tells him the people's answer. So this is the second time up the mountain. Right? This is the second time. Moses goes up to tell the Lord what the people said. And we see in Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. So then Moses went down and told the people what the Lord had said. So Moses goes back up to, the, to God the second time. He says, God, the people say they're, they're in. They're all in. They'll do everything you've said. God said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to you, but I'm going to do it so that everybody hears it. So there'll be no doubt. They're not going to think, oh, Moses came down and just made these things up. I'm going to speak so everyone can hear. So he told Moses, I want you to go down. I want you to get the people prepared. I want them to be washed. I want them to consecrate themselves. I want you to spend three days getting ready for this moment. And then I want you to draw boundaries around the mountain because if people step over this line, they'll die. Nobody can go across the, the boundaries. Even if your dog runs out, he will die. Nothing can cross the boundaries because of my presence. The only one that will be able to survive on that mountain we'll see will be Moses and <clears throat> also Aaron will be, will be brought up with him. So in Exodus 19, verses 16 to 20, on the morning of the third day, people are ready now, they're consecrated, they've drawn the boundaries around the mountain that they're not to go past. 
There was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled, I guess. I mean, if we were here and there was lightning and thunder and this trumpet blasting, I think we would probably be on our knees as well. And so the people here are, are afraid and they're, they're on their knees. It says, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And then Moses, and then, <clears throat> then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up third time up Mount Sinai. So he goes up there into this fiery inferno. I just imagine it. It looks like the whole mountain's on fire. And Moses walks up into this thing. He gets up there. And we see that he's no sooner up there. And the Lord says, go down. Go back down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come to the Lord or he will break out against them. Okay? So we see that we see that Moses here is told to go down and and warn the people and then to to bring Aaron back up with him. We see this in verses 16 through 20. Uh, <clears throat> so this is the third time now that Moses has gone up the mountain. He comes back down. Then we see that Moses goes back up for a fourth time. Okay, so chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all of these words. These are the words, these are the words that the people heard. And so God spoke to the people all of the Ten Commandments. So they all heard these Ten Commandments. In chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, it says, it says, they stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God to speak, do not have God to speak to us or we will die. Do not have God speak to us. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So this is the fourth time that Moses is going back up into this place where, where, where God is. Well, we see that God spoke then the Ten Commandments to the people. The first time they heard them, it was not on the tablets as we, some of you might have thought. The first time the people heard the Ten Commandments, God audibly spoke those words to them. And so Moses meets with God and, and there God gives him a number of expanded things that he needs to know about, 
uh, slaves, about personal injury, about property, about social responsibility, festivals, all of the regulations that God had for his people. And then we see in chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. Then he said to Moses, so Moses has all of these, all of these things, and by the way, Moses repeated these things uh, to the people. He repeated these things to the people. And, and God is telling him in 24, he says, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. You to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all of the Lord's words and laws, okay, they responded with one voice. And here it is again, chapter 24, verse 36. The seat up in the wall. This is what the people said. Everything the Lord has said we will do. They've heard the commands. They've heard all the regulations. They said, we will do this. And so Moses Moses, again, goes through all of the instructions with the people. All of the instructions. And, and then what he does is he writes those instructions down in a covenant, in a book. It's called the Book of a Covenant. And the next morning he gets up and he reads all of that covenant to the people. And here's what the people say, chapter 24, verse 7, the last part of it. Then the book, he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people, and they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. And so Moses takes, they take animals, and they sacrifice them, and they, they make a covenant vow through blood. And they agree to this covenant that God is making. It's a, it's a powerful moment. And so watch what the next thing that happens is. This is now the fifth time up Mount Sinai, chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. Imagine if you were a part of this scene. Now Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. Some some epiphany of God. God presented himself in some kind of way that they could see him. And under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. So they saw God there, and he's standing, and under his feet it's like this, it's like a sapphire, as clear as, as a blue sky. It's an amazing, amazing scene. And it says, But God did not raise his hand against the leaders of the Israelites, and they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. They had a covenant meal on the mountain with God. Powerful, powerful moment. It's, it's just amazing here what took place in that moment. Well, in chapter 24, verse 12, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. 
This is now the sixth time that Moses goes up Sinai. He left Aaron and her and the, and the elders with the people. This time he takes Joshua. You know, these different leaders like Aaron and Joshua, they're getting their turns at coming up the mountain with Moses because they're going to have a role in the future in, in which God is obviously wanting to impress upon them his presence. And so they're left in charge, and Moses goes up uh, with Joshua, and Joshua stays at a certain place, and for six days they're there, and on the seventh day this cloud comes, and the text says that it looked like the mountain, the cloud looked like a consuming fire. And Moses walks up into that fire, and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. We see that he is given the instructions for the tabernacle. He's given the plans, the size, the shape, the things that are supposed to be in there, the priests, the clothes they are to wear, the craftsmen, how they're to build it, all of these instructions. And then we see that Moses comes down. Moses comes down from the mountain, <clears throat> from this 40 days. This is really the place, uh, <clears throat> this is the place where we see that all of the instructions for the tabernacle are given during this sixth trip up to Sinai. And God comes, we see that he, is, he comes down and in 31:18, we see these words. Chapter 31, verse 18. It says, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So Moses didn't write these down. This was God's covenant that he's making with his people. And Moses comes down. We can just imagine that he's so careful as he comes down that he doesn't break them. And, and I'm sure he's just, I mean, you talk about being on cloud nine. I don't know what cloud this is. This is higher than cloud nine. This is an amazing experience. And he walks into camp and they're worshiping a calf. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that was like for Moses to walk from that experience and the people are worshiping a calf made out of the trinkets of their jewelry saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. first command thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make any graven image and Moses is so mad that he takes the most precious thing he's probably ever held in his hands those tablets of stone and he smashes them And he, he comes down into the camp and he says, who is on God's side? And the Levites come. He said, take your swords. I want you to go out. I want you to start slaying your sons and your daughters and your family members. And whoever's not here with us, just start randomly killing them. And 3,000 people are killed. And God praised the Levites for doing 
what he had told them to do. A plague would later break out and, and many more would lose their lives. And so Moses goes back to Sinai a seventh time. 32, 30. Moses goes and it says, So Moses, <clears throat> the next day, Moses said to the people, You've committed a great sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. Please forgive their sin. You know, Moses was called one of the most humble men on the face of the earth. I think this next line is one of the reasons why God gave him that title. He said, Now, God, please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book of life you have written. Well, Moses goes up and he, he comes before the, the people of God, or before God on behalf of his people. And we, we see here in Exodus 33, verses 3 to 6, this is what God says to Moses. He says, Moses, go to the land flowing with milk and honey. You know the land God promised them? but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might, God is saying, I am so, this is so upsetting to me, I might destroy you on the way. And when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. That means they, they didn't put on their rings or their jewelry or anything that they would normally dress up with. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites you are stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. I'll take off your ornaments and I'll decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai here. <clears throat> so back down, Moses went. God spoke to him this seventh time up. And so Moses would go to the temple and he would, he would pray on behalf of the people. It's like God is deciding here what he's going to do. So one of those times Moses prayed a beautiful prayer. Thank God for Moses here. And this is what he prays. He says, Moses said to the Lord, you have seen me, you have been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. And then the Lord replied, my presence will, will go with you. I will give you rest. And then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. Moses said, I know you promised us a land of, of milk and honey. But he said, I don't want to go there if you're not going to go with us. Amen. 
is powerful. Thirty-three, twelve through eighteen. I'll get through it here. Verse sixteen. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, "I will do the very thing." You have asked. Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Now God, show me your glory. And God there describes how Moses, he was, he's going to take Moses up again, up the mountain. And God is going to show him his glory. And he's going to hide him in a cleft of a rock as he looks at the backside of God so he is not destroyed. So, one more time. Number eight. Number eight. Moses goes back up. Chapter 34. Then the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I'll write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up, to Mount, come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the mountain. No one is to come with you, or be seen anywhere on the mountain, not even the flocks or herds that may graze at the front of the mountain. So Moses chisels out two more stones and he goes up. And there we see that the Lord shows himself to him. And it says that Moses falls down and worships God. And our minds go back to the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Look at this verse. Moses said to God in chapter, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So here... It is. God has fulfilled his promise to Moses. He's worshiping God. Verse 9, chapter 11. We see these verses. O Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin. Make us your inheritance. The Lord said... I'm making a covenant with you. Before all the people I will do wonders never done in any nation of the world, the people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command today. And so God decides to go with them. They built the tabernacle. Everyone helped out. Everyone did their part. Every curtain, every table, every altar, just like God has designed it. And when they were done, when they were done, the cloud, the presence of God, came to the center of the camp and settled over the tabernacle. 
so let me ask you the question again. Most of us probably didn't realize the significant amount of time that Moses spent on this mountain, eight times up the mountain. But after walking through the story, would, would you answer the question any differently, what happened on Mount Sinai? I did. I did. And, and this became... I got, I was, I'm going through this story, and I'm thinking, okay, this is about the Ten Commandments. How many of you said that what happened on Mount Sinai was the Ten Commandments were given? How many, okay? That's probably what I would have said. Some of you said Moses met with God. I, I'm going through this, and I'm, I'm just, it's so moving for me as I'm walking through this story this week, and I'm going, I got to the end, and I said, what, what's going on here? Why is this so moving? And uh, I'll just mention these things in, in closing Five things. One, first, this experience for Moses. This is a guy in his 80s who probably thought his life was over. And I'm just realizing the, the experience of Moses with God. These are just incredible experiences. I mean, hearing an audible voice of God giving these instructions, what was it like to be up in that cloud that was like, like a consuming fire in God's presence for 40 days and 40 nights? He did that twice. The second time it says he went up and he didn't eat or drink water. You can't, you can't survive 40 days without water. But Moses did. Just like Christ did in the wilderness. We see, can you imagine sharing a covenantal meal with 70 elders with God on the mountain? I mean, can you imagine what that was like for the Israelites to be in the presence of God eating and drinking to consummate this covenant that God had made with his people. P powerful. Th that, that's one thing that struck me. Another thing was the extent of God's interaction with his people. This is not a distant God. This is not a, a faraway God. This is a God who's intimately involved with these people. I mean, there's so many interactions here that go on. This, is, this isn't some God dictator saying, these are the Ten Commandments, you must obey these, or I'll send you, you know, to hell, or whatever it is. This is a covenantal God who is desiring a covenantal relationship with his people. Because he wants to be with them. And so we see... This law, Moses shared it, and they said, we'll do it. Moses wrote it down, and they said, well, well, they'll do it. God audibly spoke it to them. They said, we'll do it. And God is always responding to his people's response here. And so we see this detailed covenant between God and his people taking place. The third thing that struck me was just, it was just so sad to see the failure of God's people. Um, you know, it, they, they just, the, the law is given. Now they can see what sin is. Not that their faces weren't dirty, but the law is like a mirror. It shows you your face. And so the law is given, and, and now they can see it. And what was so emotional is just seeing people fall away so quickly. And, I, you know, it's like I just, you just kind of want to slap alongside the head. And then you realize that you do the same thing. We do the same thing. So, 
I think it was personally so, so moving for me because it was a reminder not only of Moses' failure, but of mine and of ours as, as his people. The fourth thing, I just saw how deeply sin affects the heart of God. If God is pleased and, and God is unhappy, and God is tested and God is angry, and though God's acts are absolute, he's not an uncaring God. He, he's not a non-emotive God. He has feelings about the response of his people. We see here God is seeking to develop a relationship with his people and that their actions affect him. They don't diminish who he is, but they affect him. My sin affects God. Your sin affects the heart of God. That's a powerful truth. Their sin made him very angry. You know why God got so angry with the people? Because it was a denial of the covenant relationship that God was desiring with his people. And that leads us into the final point. And uh, this is the answer, by the way, to the question, what went on on Mount Sinai? And this is, I believe, the correct answer. The primary thing that happens at Mount Sinai is God makes a covenant, a relational covenant with his people. That's what happened on Mount Sinai, that God is making a relational covenant with his people. Uh, Andy... Andy and Andrew are back a few weeks ago. They were <clears throat> did something special over in the Rothschild Pavilion. If I were to ask you what happened in the Rothschild Pavilion about three, three or so weeks ago, what would you say? Would you say, Pastor Kim gave them vows to read? Is that what you'd say? That's like saying what happened on Mount Sinai is that God gave them God gave them the vows to say. No, what happened in the pavilion was two people got married. The vows were the means to that relational commitment. What happened on Mount Sinai? God is looking for a covenantal marriage relationship with his people. It's not that the commands are a means to an end. The possibility that God could come and be with his people. That's what's going on. And, you know, it's, it was just so, God is coming and he's totally committed for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for sickness and in health, to love, cherish, and honor you. That's what he was saying to the people. And he's, he's in the process of writing the words for the ceremony, and he comes down and people are in bed with their old boyfriends from Egypt. That's exactly what it was. On a spiritual level, that is precisely what God sees going on here in the situation. You know, if we showed up at our wedding and our spouse was hand in hand with someone else, we can understand God's response where he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm thinking of just sending you on. You can have the land, but I'm not, I'm not going with you. I'm not going to commit myself. If, if that's the kind of way that you're going to respond to me in this relationship. God says, I feel so betrayed. 
I've got a house. I've got a place prepared. I have a limo to come and take you there. I have everything you need, but I don't know if I'm going to go. And so Moses prays that prayer, and, and God decides to go with the people. His presence comes. This is the last verse I'm going to read, Exodus 29, 46. Exodus 29, verse 46. God says, Then they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt. Now listen to this line. Why did God bring them out of Egypt? Why has God brought you out of slavery? So that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So it went from the cloud to the tabernacle. We see these words, and, and this is the last, this is the end of the book of Exodus. This is what happens. Then the cloud covered the tent of Moses, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle day and night. Fire was in the cloud by night and in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. It's a picture that says God went with them wherever they went. What a powerful, powerful story <clears throat> this is. And so as we conclude this morning, I think the application is very clear. You've got a God who wants to be with you. You have a God who wants to treasure you. You have a God that wants to bless you. You have a God that has chosen to do that. He's offering this covenant relationship. And, you know, the, the rules and the, the things that God calls us to do to, to flee from sin and all that, that, that's the means to this relationship. And we see that this was the Old Covenant. It's also the same word, Old Testament. In the story, we're going to come to a new covenant, a New Testament, and it's going to be a new set of terms that God is setting up, and it's a beautiful story. Those of you who shared the gospel this week shared the terms of that covenant, that it is by faith in Christ that God will not only dwell as a cloud over the tabernacle, not just dwell in the temple which became a permanent, permanent tabernacle, but God would dwell not simply with them as Jesus did with the disciples, that, but the, through the Holy Spirit, God would dwell in us. That is the wonder of where we're going in the story. And uh, powerful, powerful picture this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, this, your word to us. Lord, we see in, in this episode this morning the kind of God that you are that wants to be with us, that wants to bless us, that wants to carry us, as it were, on eagle's wings, that wants to just be our God. And Lord, you're asking us 
to, to not serve other gods, to not try and find other providers, to not look elsewhere for the things that you have promised to be for us, things you have promised to give us. And so Lord, I just I know that you're speaking to each one of us in a unique way today because you love each person here. So Lord, whatever it is that you want each of us to hear today from this story that you've given us, Father, just uh, speak clearly to us and, and, and may we not like the Israelites forget so quickly when you speak to us as your people. Lord, we just praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I got the call this morning. It's 7.45 Ben told me what happened to you